You are listening to the San Antonio Zen Center Dharma Talks. The San Antonio Zen Center is supported solely by donation, so that everyone can participate in our offerings and programs, regardless of income. If you are able, please consider making a donation to SAZC through the donation button on our site, sanantoniozen.org, or by visiting paypal.me slash sanantoniozen. Thank you for your practice and enjoy the talk. So this morning, I just wanted to talk a bit about um, an advanced practice that we have in, uh, in Buddhism. Something that requires a lot of A lot of vulnerability to do, which is why it's an advanced practice, and that is the, the practice of loving kindness or metta. So it's the metta is the first of the Brahma Viharas. So we have um, loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity, and in my limited experience of life on this planet, I would actually argue that, actually not argue, but I would posit that there's a fifth, which is gratitude. But I mainly want to speak about meta. It's often, it's often translated as love or loving kindness. And some of you may know this story, but it actually has the, its origins during the Buddha's time, when back in the day, monks often practiced by themselves in the forest. And these young monks came to the Buddha one day and said, there's these evil spirits in the forest that want to do me harm, I can't practice in the forest. They're quite scared of the spirits. So the story goes that the Buddha gave them the practice of practicing loving kindness for the spirits. And after that, they were able to go back and practice. So we normally hear metta one way, but I'll tell you the original, how it was, original verses are, may I be free from danger, may I have mental happiness, may I have physical happiness, and may I have ease of well-being. And how we normally hear it is, may I be happy, may I be free from suffering, and may I live in peace. Often there was one of two main ways to practice. If you're a monk, one was uh, sitting meditation, and the other was practicing the Brahma Viharas. One of the really beautiful things about the Brahma Viharas is that they, uh, the openness, which is 
practice. It's, it's easy to sit and pay attention to the breath, relatively speaking. But uh, practicing the Bhagavad or loving kindness can really challenge us. And what we find is that it, it transforms our consciousness, our, our being, our being, uh, by softening some of our hard edges. Softening our edges uh, is that we often have a, a rigid and flexible way of interacting with the world and with others. Umberto Eco said, uh, the world appears to us as it appears to us, and it is impossible for it to appear otherwise. So when we're looking to the world through our traditional karmic lenses we're only willing to see the world through those karmic lenses. What's, what's, uh, what I find kind of grotesquely fascinating is that you know, we'll, we'll hold and we'll even nurse the grudge. Right? It's kind of a, some of you have heard me say, it's kind of a perverse image, this idea of nursing a grudge. Having something take something from you, right? In order to keep it alive, but it, we see the damage it causes us. In the, in the Abhidharma, one of the things that's talked about is the Alaya Vijnana, which is the, the seed storehouse. Tokyo talked a little bit about this last week. But we have in this seed storehouse, which is a really kind of wonderful image, there's seeds of good and negative characteristics, positive and negative characteristics. So uh, it's a matter of which ones we water, which ones we water. So uh, a lot of this is about uh, setting and returning to what our intentions are, to wake up, to save all means, to end our suffering, help end the suffering of others, which requires resolve. And the root, the word resolve is solvent. Solve, solvere is actually the infinitive verb, uh, so like, uh, to be solvent or to dissolve, it's to loosen. So by watering the positive characteristics, we, we loosen the negative. So the first key step is just being willing to start. That's 
is often a very large step for a lot of folks. Just being willing to say words, even if we believe them. Saying the words without trying to force ourselves to believe them. Unfortunately, in, in doing that, we either don't realize or we forget that uh, our own well-being depends on our, our willingness to do, the willingness just to start, just to start. As um, one of the Taoists said, the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. So just, just to begin, just even thinking about it, contemplating, taking it on. Think of it as a noun, but it's actually it's a verb. It's a verb that's very active, and uh, which means that we, uh, we don't enable others uh, in, their, in the throes of negative reactions. And it actually doesn't always mean being nice. It doesn't always mean being nice. One of the most interesting images that I, that I heard about during the Standing Rock protest was that uh, I guess there were protesters holding up mirrors to the, uh, to the police or the, the soldiers that were there so that the soldiers could see themselves. So, oh, it's a rather lovely idea. You know. And the thing is, if we're going to be true to that, we actually have to hold up a two-sided mirror so we can see what face we are presenting to the world as well. It's not just about look what you're doing. So in cultivating this, this loving, this loving kindness, cult, this cultivated connection, that's one of the, to me, that's one of the beautiful things about it, is that in, in Zen we kind of come at things from an emptiness side. So when we come, when we talk about emptiness so that we can realize how connected we are, and actually this connects us so that we can realize that it, it's empty. So this begins with this with the very simple premise that all beings, everyone, are worthy of love. Everyone who has ever existed, everyone who exists now, has been worthy of love. 
actually want to read a little bit from the great Bodhisattva of our times, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., when he's reading, uh, this is his Love Your Enemies uh, sermon. This is the Greek language comes out with another word for love. Talks about the three kinds of love. Uh, it is the word agape. And agape is more than eros, the romantic. Agape is more than philia, which is brother, brotherly love. Agape is something of the understanding, creative, redemptive goodwill for everyone. It is a love that seeks nothing in return. It is an overflowing love, it, what theologians, theologians would call the love of God working in the lives of men. And when you rise to love on this level, you begin to love everyone, not because they are likable, but because God loves them. You look at every man and you love him because you know God loves him. And he might be the worst person you've ever seen. And this is what Jesus means, I think, in this very passage when he says, love your enemy. And it's significant that he does not say, like your enemy. Like is a sentimental something, an affectionate something. There are a lot of people that I find difficult to like. I don't like what they do to me. I don't like what they say about me and other people. I don't like their attitudes. I don't like some of the things they're doing. I don't like them, but Jesus says love them. And love is greater than like. Love is understanding, redemptive goodwill for all men, so that you love everyone because God loves them. You refuse to do anything that will defeat an individual because you have agape in your soul. And here you come to the point that you love the individual who does the evil deed while hating the deed that the person does. This is what Jesus means when he says, love your enemy. And this is the way to do it. And when the opportunity presents itself, when you can defeat your enemy, you must not do it. So, um, what he's King is talking about his behavior versus the person. Not confusing the behavior for who the person is. Because he actually even goes on to say that there's some really bad folks in the world and, uh, and they, still have, they still have good in them. But we often confuse behavior with the person like the light and the light bulb. in turn what that actually requires of us is to acknowledge that other people suffer, that others suffer, even our, our enemies, as Dr. King would say. So whenever we say may, may so-and-so be free from suffering, can be a little, and, and to 
my mind, it can be a little vague. It's an interesting experiment, experiment to kind of uh, notice how did they appear to suffer? What are the ways that their behavior indicates that they suffer? So we could say, may so-and-so be free from torment or pain or shame, guilt, anguish, mental illness, addiction. So we can say that and we can also turn around and say, uh, may so-and-so be free from isolation and feel the joy of connection. So we can acknowledge and apply an antidote at the same time. And that, that's where this scary vulnerability comes in because we have to open to the open to someone, open to our enemies, so to speak. We can just a friend who suffers. And just notice what's going on. Now, what does it seem like? That doesn't mean it's actually happening. Happening, but we're still wishing the person well. So even though in Zen we talk about things aren't personal, which they aren't on the absolute, on the level of the absolute, uh, we live our life in the relative. We have to drive. We have to, we have to wear clothes when we go outside so we don't get put in jail. Things like that. But these practices that, that I'm offering actually uh, do make it personal. A connection with one another. And uh, most importantly, we can't forget ourselves. So you've heard me say, ad nauseum, all beings includes us. We're not excluded, we're not exempt. Uh, and sometimes, often in the beginning, some pretty heavy resistance will arise. That we don't want to, we don't want to do it. We don't want to wish someone well, offer loving kindness. So uh, my suggestion is, you know, as the old recovery saying goes, you fake it till you make it. It's kind of the beauty of it is that uh, they've done studies that um, whenever we say something and we don't believe it, there's actually a part of the brain that can't tell the difference. So uh, whether or not actual loving kindness is coming forth from us, the seeds are being planted. We are watering those seeds of positive characteristics. So what that does is uh, 
what softens, what softens us, opens us. We, we come back around, re-examining our hard edges and starting again. There's a, a wonderful image in, in Tibetan Buddhism that when you, when you first start practicing, suffering is like the hair in the palm of your hand. But after we've been practicing for a while, suffering is like having a hair in your eye. We become more sensitive to our own suffering and the suffering of others. is the loving kindness that actually gives rise to the other Brahmaviharas. It is the foundation for compassion, equanimity, sympathetic joy, and in quotes, gratitude. And what we find is as we become more adept at swimming in these waters, we begin to learn little by little cellular level, how to respond skillfully in an unskillful world. So, there are two ways to do the, the loving kindness. I'll tell you the first one and then we'll all do the second one first one is we, uh, we begin with ourselves. We say, may I be happy and know the causes of happiness. May I be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. And may I live with ease and experience the causes of ease. And then we think of someone close to us. exact same verse for them. And then we can move to a person who's neutral, that we don't, we don't have any feelings one way or the other. And then uh, we can take on somebody we don't have such positive feelings about and do it for them. So now we just, we just build we just build um, one on top of the other in terms of how we relate. I've heard it said that when folks go to Spirit Rock and do uh, and spend some time at Spirit Rock, uh, Jack Cornfield will often have them do meta for themselves for the first year, just for themselves. So you can see this is this is a lifelong practice. This is a lifelong practice that we're never uh, going to be finished. So the second one 
which we'll all do together. Just have everyone close your eyes. And just say uh, to yourself, may I be happy. May I be free from suffering. And then may the person sitting next to me be happy. May they be free from suffering. And may they live with ease. room. Be happy. Everyone in this room be free from suffering. Everyone in this room live with ease. Everyone in this house be happy. they be free from suffering. May they live with ease. You can actually picture each one if it's helpful. May everyone on this block be happy. Block be free from suffering. May everyone in this block live with ease. May everyone in this neighborhood be happy. be free from suffering. And may they live with ease. May everyone in this district be happy. May they be free from suffering. Everyone is district, may they be free from suffering. May they live with ease. Everyone in the city, everyone in the city of San Antonio, may they be free from suffering. May they live with ease. May everyone in Bear 
causes of suffering. And may they live with ease. Texas. Be happy. Everyone, every single person, may they be happy. May they be free from suffering. And may they live with ease. Everyone in the United States. suffering. And may we live with ease. May all beings on this planet, weak or small, great or large, born to be born, maybe may we be happy. this planet be free from suffering. And may all beings on this planet live with ease. May all beings in our solar system space and time, be happy, may they be free from suffering, may we all live in peace, there is no greater need for loving kindness than now. being dropped. Oppression rampant. And we all beings realize they're true. 
this nature. Questions?